0: Hello, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience. You're coming back for episode number 13 today, and today is our Independence Day. That's right, State of Decay 2 just released the Independence Day DLC pack, and it was kind of a a surprise for me. I didn't think it was gonna come this early, but it came, and now we're here to talk about that. I actually had a different episode planned for today, but since this came out, I switched all the plans, I got to test the DLC pretty much the entire day, and I think I have a handle on the DLC and all the contents with it. But not only was there a DLC launched today, they actually launched a new patch as well, patch 2.0. So there's a lot of news to get into today, and we're just going to start getting right into that. State of Decay 2 actually topped the NPD for May 2018. So what that means is State of Decay 2 was the highest selling game in May of 2018. So big props to Undead Labs. Congrats to all of you that worked there. We really appreciate this game. I'm really loving this game. And it makes me really happy that you guys actually got first place in that. And I hope it continues. I think it also shows a lot for the Game Pass for Microsoft because Sea of Thieves launched right on Game Pass and got first for that month and the same thing with State of Decay 2. It launched in the first month that launched on Game Pass it got first again. Obviously that's not entirely to do with Game Pass but I think it speaks a lot for Microsoft's Game Pass that two games launched on Game Pass and also got first in that same month. So I think it does speak to the success of Game Pass but not to take anything away from Undead Labs at all. I mean Definitely a great job to you guys. I'm really enjoying this game, and I'm so happy that it's actually first in the MPD. I hope it's first again next month, so we'll see what happens. But first for May 2018, that's definitely great. In honor of that, and in honor of the Independence Day DLC, I basically have a contest going on for the first time in the Blaze experience. So our contest is around State of Decay 2 in the game. Basically, in a future podcast, probably the podcast I'm launching next week is going to be about the upgraded cars in State of Decay 2. And in honor of this, I'm having a contest. So basically, what I need from the listeners is I need people to join my State of Decay 2 game and test the cars in my game. Basically, I have different categories I'm going to be rating the cars on. I'll explain that more when I do the episode next week, hopefully. But essentially, I need people to join my game, test the cars out, give me their opinions on a couple of different factors, and that will help me get data for the next podcast. Because basically what I'm doing is this is research for the cars, and I want to really do this as low subjectivity as possible. I don't want to just give my own ratings and have that be the end-all be-all. I want to hear from all of you and see what you think of these cars. And I want to compile all that data and actually have a good reading of what the cars are like for everyone, because somebody might think, oh, this car is really great. Somebody might think it's not that great. So I definitely want to do this test and get as much data on these cars as possible. So basically what you'd have to do to enter the contest is get in touch with me any way you want. You can contact me on Twitter, you can contact me on Discord, you can contact me On Xbox itself, my gamer tag is Shadow of the Statue, so you can contact me there as well. But any way you want to contact me, whether it's through my email, d.blaze89 at gmail.com, at blazeexperience on Twitter, and the blazeexperience email is blazeexperience at gmail.com. Always remember there's no E on experience. So any of those ways you want to contact us, just get in touch with me, and I will bring you into my game. You'll do the tests on the cars. It takes about, I'd say, 20 minutes to do the test, and then you'll be entered into the contest. Now, you can also get two additional entries in the contest. You can get an entry by following the Blaze Experience on Twitter, which is at Blaze Experience, or you can get an entry by leaving a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts will help the podcast grow and help more people find the podcast. So you can earn up to three entries. But of course, you're probably wondering what the prize actually is. So let me get to the prize. The grand prize is you can come into my game and choose any gun you want from my supply locker, and you can get one facility mod from my supply locker, any one you want, and also you can get either three rucksacks of your choice or three skill books of your choice. So basically, all in all, you're going to get a gun. I will load you up with ammo, too. I'll give you plenty of ammo to use the gun. So any gun you want with ammo, a facility mod, and either three rucksacks or three skill books. So I think that's a great prize. It'll help some people out. If you're a veteran player and you already know what you're doing a lot, you could still get a gun that you don't have yet, a facility mod you don't have yet, So I think this is a prize that actually can help anyone because I think there's very few people in the game that have all the guns and all the facility mods. So one way or the other, this should help most of you out. Now, there's also going to be a second prize, though. There's going to be two winners that get the second prize. So you'll have the grand prize winner and then two second prize winners. The second prize winner will get one rucksack of your choice, one skill book of your choice, and one melee weapon of your choice. So there's definitely still some great melee weapons in the game. You know, there's the Mono Gear Axe, there's the Replica Bastard Swords, another great one, some of the Masterwork weapons like the Transmission Mace. You can choose any of those if you want. You can choose some of the guns I have, such as the SOCOM 2, the Prepper's AK-47, just named a couple off the top of my head. I have the Timberwolf, the BML-40. I have a lot of different guns, a lot of different melee weapons, and I have pretty much all the facility mods, so you'll have quite a variety to choose from, and you should have something that you want in there. But those are the prizes, so just enter the contest, like I said, by contacting me, test out the cars in my game, or you can get entries by following the Blaze Experience on Twitter, or leaving a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast. And that is our contest. So I hope a lot of people do the contest and a lot of people try it out. We've already had a decent response so far. So those of you that have already done the test for me, thank you, I appreciate that. And those of you that have already done the other entries as well, I appreciate that as well. So thank you to all that participated so far. And hopefully after this launches, people will participate even more. But now we have a lot to talk about with news from State of Decay 2. I won't normally have a full podcast just on news, probably, but there's so much news that happened today that it it warrants a podcast just on news. I had another idea in mind that I will do at a later date for a podcast, but this podcast, there's so much news to get to, so let's get right to it. Now, this patch 2.0, it had a lot of updates in there. There's some new free content for everyone. So this patch is free. You just have to download it. It was about 7.1 gigabytes for me. And I'm on Xbox One S. So I'm not sure what it would be on PC or Xbox One X. But I know on the S it's 7.1 gigabytes. But honestly, this patch is so worth it. There are so many fixes to bugs in this patch. Some new content. A lot of great things. This patch is amazing. And... I wouldn't normally say that about a patch, but this patch is one of the better patches I've seen in a while. It it fixes a lot of things and introduces new content at the same time. So it's a great patch. One of the new things, kind of in honor of the Independence Day pack, there's going to be Revolutionary War Zombies that now appear in the world. Basically, they look like they're in the Revolutionary War. So they're going to have, you know, turncoats on. They'll have like the little hats that they used to wear in the Revolutionary War, and things like that. So basically, you're going to see those in the world now. And in my playing today, I saw a bunch of them. They look really cool. They've got like blue jackets, blue hats. I think I might have seen some red ones as well. But don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if I saw ones with red jackets, but I know I've definitely seen ones with blue jackets. But in addition to this, there's also 20 new missions now available to players. What they said in their official patch notes is there's 10 ambient missions, which occur as players explore the map, 7 enclave missions, expanding the stories that can be told about neighboring groups, and 3 community missions, offering new options for your group to solve crucial problems. So I'm not sure what these new missions are yet. In my playing today, I didn't get to encounter any of these new missions, but I'm eager to try some of these new missions out and see what they are. Who knows what different things they could be. I know from buying the Independence Pack DLC today, I did get to try a new mission that I had to take out an infestation with one of the new weapons, so that was kind of fun, but I think that's more tied to the Independence Pack DLCs. I don't think that's what they're talking about here. So these 20 new missions, hopefully they're a lot of fun, I'm sure they will be, and I can't wait to try them out. But we all know about Red Talon, there's going to be new weapons for Red Talon and network weapons added to the game. I'll go through that list real quick. There's a Danforth Slugger, which is a lead filled baseball bat. A Trumbull Gatekeeper, which is a lovingly improved Model 70. An RTX Extermination Blade, which is a military grade zombie fighting blade. RTX Cyclone, a fully automatic 12 gauge pistol. That one sounds really fun, actually. I can't wait to try the fully automatic 12 gauge pistol out. I mean, I don't know when I'll see it, but when I see it, I'm definitely going to buy that one. An RPX Rampart. Which is a Vulture 44 with automatic fire, able to stop a charging Juggernaut. That definitely sounds helpful. You know, when the Juggernaut's charging at you, you definitely don't want to be in the way. So apparently, with this, it's you know going to stop the Juggernaut straight in his tracks. So I'd like to try that one. out. And then, in addition to those new weapons, there's some previous Red Talon weapons that have been rebranded as RTX, and they have a new cone of paint. And these three weapons that were rebranded, I actually have all three of these. And I got to try them out, and the new coat of paint does look very nice. I'll get into that a little bit more after I tell what they are, though. The three weapons that were rebranded, the SOCOM-2 RT, is now called the RTX Horde Breaker. The Vector Ultra Compact RT is now the RTX Piranha, which I really like the look of that one and how it operates. And the scar HRT is now the RTX Stormbringer. Basically, these weapons, they just changed the name on them and gave them a new coat of paint. It's the same weapon. It still operates the same. The new coat of paint, I've checked it out in all three guns. It looks pretty cool. Basically, it's more of like a black gun with a couple of red stripes going down the side of it, which I assume it stands for red talon. But the red stripes actually look pretty good. It kind of looks like sort of like a red scar going down the gun, if I had to describe it. But honestly, the paint job looks pretty cool, in my opinion. So hopefully you can get your hands on these if you don't have them already. But if you don't have them already, these could also be potential prizes for the contest I mentioned. Because I have all three of these weapons. So if you win the contest and you want one of those weapons, then it's yours. So maybe those are three weapons that you want to try out for the contest if you win. If not, I have other weapons too, obviously. Now this is something interesting too that they added for content. They added a new rare books trader that can appear every few game days with the following new skill books available for the low price of 1500 influence driving, Lycanology, fishing and scrum master. Now I know I haven't gone through these different skill types such as driving and things before in a podcast, I'll be doing that in the future, but basically driving it gives you better fuel efficiency and less degradation. So driving skill will definitely help you with that. And these skills go in the fifth skill slot. So instead of like utilities or something, these skills would take the place of utilities or gardening. These skills would be there instead. Lichenology, that is actually a pretty good skill as well. Off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what it does, but I think it has something to do with plus two meds or something along those lines. But. What I remember for sure off the top of my head is that Lichenology was one of the better fifth skill slots you could have. They have the Fishing skill, which the Fishing one I do remember is definitely plus two food per day. So that's definitely nice to have, especially early in your playthroughs. And then there's a skill book for Scrum Master. I honestly have no idea what Scrum Master is yet. It's not a skill I remember seeing in the game previously, so maybe this is a brand new skill they invented. But if I ever find this rare books trader, I'm definitely going to buy that Scrum Master book and see exactly what that does because I don't really know what that could be yet. I honestly don't even have a guess what it could be, but hopefully it's something good. And I assume since it's next to these other ones, these other three skills are probably the better three skills that you can have for your fifth skill besides your normal skills. These are like the specialty skills, I would call them. So besides like utilities, craftsmanship, things like that, these are probably the better specialty skills you're going to find. So I assume Scrum Master will be good, and I can't wait to try that out. But that's basically the new content that we all got for free. So this is all for free. Everyone gets this. All you have to do is just download it. But in addition to this content, there's also a lot of game improvements. So I'll start getting some of those. And keep in mind when I'm going through this, there's a lot more in this patch than what I'm saying. I just took out probably the best things to highlight, which there's honestly still a lot I left in there. So I'm still going to be going through a lot because there's just a lot of great stuff. But there's other things I didn't mention, which they're more just little fixes here and there that will improve the performance of the game. So... Just know that there's more performance enhancements besides what I'm mentioning here, but the ones I'm mentioning here are the big ones. So they have polished the walk-to-run and run-to-walk transition animations. I added a new jog animation for human characters, so basically it sounds like the way characters move is improved now. There's additional improvements to doors so that their state matches their appearance, which I know previously when you tried to walk through an open door, it would Show it was closed or vice versa. You try to walk through a door that looked like it was open but it was actually closed and you'd have to reopen it. They fixed that in a previous patch, but I guess in this patch they're just improving it more. So you really shouldn't see that anymore now. There's now a confirm option before euthanizing community members, which that's honestly great because I haven't had this experience, but I would hate to go to euthanize someone and not be able to second guess myself because if there's no confirm option there, you might euthanize them by accident and go, oh, shoot, I don't want to euthanize them. I want them back. But obviously, there's no way to get them back. So that's great that they add that button in there. There's additional improvements to mounting of the ladders, including better interaction when player is strafing and interaction from the tops of ladders. This is huge because I know, for example, when I was in Cascade Hills on the Fort base, the ladders there were buggy a lot. And there was times that I had to take fall damage just to get down from the second floor of the base. So it's great that they fixed the ladders, and I'm very excited that ladders won't actually bug out anymore. Even in other bases, too. I think I was using the corner office that has the ladder, and that ladder is bugging as well. So it's great that the ladders don't bug anymore. There's also some Juggernaut modifications. Um, They've added a half-second cooldown to Juggernaut's initiation of its finishing move. Players can start finishing move earlier in a juggernaut stagger animation which that's helpful. And ground slam collision volume has been reduced by roughly 25%. So it sounds like they've balanced things a little better with Juggernauts. This next category is pretty important. They've had some weapon changes. Basically, they've balanced the weapons better. Some of these weapons weren't that balanced, but now they're a little bit more balanced. A lot of this has to do with the weight and how much a weapon can hold in a magazine. But the B50FG weight has been increased... To 28.5 pounds. It used to be 12 pounds, which this makes sense. I mean, obviously, it's going to stink a little bit that it's basically double the weight as it was before, but now it's a little bit more accurate with what the gun should be. So that is now basically double the weight it used to be. The model 99.50, 50 cal rifle now holds three rounds instead of five. So it used to hold five, it'll now hold three. One thing I have noticed in my supply locker, I have one of these and it still shows five. So what I'm assuming is after I shoot off a couple of rounds, I assume I can't reload that magazine to five again. Because so I assume if it was already like that, it's going to stay like that for now. But once you use up a couple of rounds, I don't think I'll be able to get it back to five rounds again. The M9950 Timberwolf now holds four rounds instead of seven. So they knock the rounds down for that as well. And the same with the B50FG, they knocked the magazine size down as well. It now holds five rounds instead of 12. So it sounds like they balance these magazines a little more. That way you can't just take a bunch of shots in a row and not have to reload. Because basically what it sounds like, and also from watching their stream a little bit, is that they wanted to rebalance this. That way you'd have to reload in order to use these weapons. Because these weapons are pretty powerful, and you should have to reload them if you're using them a lot. Now, this is the biggest change, honestly. The 50 cal weapon can no longer take down a plague heart without at least one ro- reload or other tools being brought to bear against it. So, what they're saying is without using other tools, it now takes six shots from a 50 cal weapon to take down a plague heart. It used to be where you could do three shots from a 50 cal weapon, a plague heart be dead. Now, it would take six shots from a 50 cal weapon. So, basically, what they're trying to do here is make it a little bit more balanced where the 50 cal weapons were easily taking down play cards before. It wasn't even really anything where you had to try that much. Just three shots. It was down before any zombies got on you. Now, at least, if you wanted to use just a 50 cal weapon to do it, you could still do that. But you're going to have to shoot your three shots off, reload your weapon, and then shoot another three shots off. So that is a huge game changer because in the midst of reloading, zombies will probably come on you and it'll make it a little more difficult to actually do the job. In addition to this, other drum mag weapons, which erroneously had no additional weight from their drum magazines, have had their weight increased. This includes the SOCOM-2, RTX Hordebreaker, Operators M4A1, the DevGru X-12 Infiltrator, which that's one of my favorite weapons, honestly, and the RTX Stormbreaker. So basically what they're saying here is that some of these drum magazine weapons, they didn't have additional weight from their drum magazine, which they should have. Now they've adjusted this to give it the extra weight that it should have had originally. So basically, just more weapon balancing. I know this technically balances things in negative side for the players, but I actually like it because it makes it a little bit more challenging for us and it makes it a little bit more realistic. So I think it's a good change for us overall. It will make it a little bit harder, but in the long run, I think it makes the game a better game and a more balanced game. Sniper towers will now also count as watchtowers for morale purposes, and they have also changed the weight of several luxury items so that their weight matches the quality of their manufacturing, which this makes sense, so basically if it's a really luxury item, it should have less weight, I'm assuming, because it's a better manufacturing, you know, better quality, so those should have less weight for us now, that way we can carry more luxury items with us. So those are basically the gameplay improvements. Now there's a category of bug fixes, which there's a lot of good bug fixes. So some of the multiplayer fixes they had were they fixed the desync issue that caused rubber banding of a zombie on a client's machine if hosts move with a grappled zombie. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I think it has to do with if you're in my game and I'm grappling a zombie, there's not as much rubber banding now. I think that's what it has to do with, but I'm not positive on that one. They've also, and this is a big one, which I'm really happy to report this one, they fixed the issue with supply lockers sometimes not being visible at home sites and co-op. I've had this issue before where I'm at a friend's base and I can't access their supply locker. That is one of the most game breaking things in this game ever because you rely on your supply locker. If you can't access the supply locker, then you really can't do anything yet. If you had a couple of consumables on you, say you had a a couple bottles of painkillers, if you run through those, you go to your supply locker to get more. If you can't access the supply locker, that is a huge game-breaking thing. So this bug fix is very important for all players. I don't know if everyone experienced this, but if you did experience this, you know what I'm talking about because it was such a pain being at a friend's base and not having access to their supply locker. Basically, what I had to do to work around it is try to find one of their outposts and sometimes at their outposts, you could access the locker. But it was such a pain because sometimes you really need to switch characters or you really need to actually access the locker, get some more meds out, get some more ammo for your weapons or maybe your melee weapons damage. So there's so many scenarios where you need the supply locker and it's great. that They actually have this visible in co-op now. Now pretty much about the same level of importance as far as I'm concerned. They've also fixed an issue where host facilities would occasionally turn invisible to clients. I haven't experienced this one myself, but I've had people in my game that experienced this where they'd be looking around for my workshop or they'd be looking for my infirmary because they wanted to use it and it wasn't visible to them. It looked like I had no infirmary or I had no workshop available. So now this is fixed. So it's actually going to show up properly. So this is also very big, because if you're looking to craft a toolkit, possibly, or you're looking to repair your weapons, you're looking to make some more bottles of pills, you're looking to make some more bandages, any of those type of things, you would actually be able to do it. Whereas if it's not visible, you're not going to be able to do that in my game. Or if I'm in your game or whatever it is. But now in co-op, you can actually do that. So that is a very good fix. And I'm very happy to report that one. A input fix that is very important as well is the game will now pause when controller becomes disconnected during single player sessions. I know for me personally, this is actually a very big one because I use batteries for my controllers and because I play on Xbox. And if my battery dies suddenly, if I'm in a single player game, that is a great peace of mind to know that the controller will obviously shut off and the game will pause. So that is a great piece of mind to know that, and I can go get some more batteries if I need to, and just keep playing without my character actually dying while I have no batteries. So that is a huge fix, and I really appreciate that. When Undead Labs, now there's also some performance improvements. One of the gameplay improvements is the Magnum Ammo Press at Facility Mod. It was bugged to where it was producing 50 cal ammo and the 44 or the 40 millimeter grenades. Sorry. Now it properly produces what it's supposed to. The Magnum ammo press was always meant to produce .357 and .44 ammo, but previously it was not doing that. Now it will actually do that. I haven't officially tried it yet, but this is huge because basically it made a situation where .357 and 0.44 ammo were sort of like a valuable commodity because you couldn't remake them. It was the only ammo in the game that you couldn't actually make more of. But now you can actually make more of it, so it's a little bit more balanced now and you don't have to hoard all your, you know, 0.357 ammo if you're using a gun that has that. They fixed an issue with euthanization scene replacing the player's equipped gun with a G- G17 pistol. I haven't experienced this because I've never actually euthanized anyone yet, but It's interesting that a bug was happening where it placed your gun with a pistol instead. But I'm glad that's fixed now because now the animation will be properly shown. The Prepper's 1022 now has a weight of 7 pounds. I'm assuming that's increasing the weight. I don't know offhand how much that was supposed to weigh. They fixed a number of instances where zombies stopped attacking players if players were in specific locations. This is definitely good as well because... It's sort of an exploit that players could use, and the less exploits available, the better, because it'll allow us to be more honest when we play the game, and it'll allow the game to function better overall. So I'm definitely glad they got rid of this exploit. I didn't actually experience it myself, but I'm glad it's out of there, so I don't have to. And this is actually a good one, because it defies the laws of physics. Apparently, I didn't see this myself but apparently zombies that had no arms were scaling fences and walls. Now they can't do that which makes sense because they have no arms they can't really scale a wall. So that makes a lot of sense and that's great that that affects things properly now. They also fixed an issue where some facilities that were in disrepair continue to provide benefits to the community as if they were in working order. So this is great because say you had your staging area built and your staging area was in disrepair. Apparently, there was a bug that the staging area was still providing the effect where like what the staging area does, obviously, is it basically makes it so any facilities that are using materials no longer use materials. And apparently that effect was still occurring, even though it was in disrepair. I'm not saying specifically with the staging area, just that's an example of what could have been happening. So it's great that this isn't happening anymore because... If your facility is in disrepair, that's because you let it get in disrepair and you should suffer a consequence from that happening. So that is good that they're keeping us honest now and having us suffer that consequence still. Now, these next couple of bits, it seems like it's actually going to make the game harder for us, which I love because I love where they're trying to keep us honest as players and keep things as difficult as possible because with permadeath in this game, it's definitely more nerve-wracking when your character gets at low health and you're about to die. So now ferals and juggernauts now have the ability to kill NPCs with their special attacks. This is huge because there were situations where I just lead a juggernaut or something back to my base and let my community deal with it sometimes. Now I have to actually worry about that a little bit because now they kill they kill my community with their special attacks. So that is not a great thing, but... Overall, for us as players, I think it is a great thing because it allows us to be more strategic when we game and it allows us to think about our decisions more, which I like thinking about our decisions more when we play. In addition to that, the Juggernaut Execution Attack can now correctly kill survivors that have a ton of different max health buffs simultaneously applied. So I'm not fully positive on this, but what I think this means is basically survivors that have a lot of health because of certain buffs or whatever. Now the juggernaut's execution attack, if they get you into that attack, it will still kill your survivor, even though it has a ton of health. So that is definitely something that's going to make it harder. And it's not going to it's going to make it where you can't just go around because you have a lot of health and not worry about things, you'll still have to be worried a little bit. So that is definitely great for the characters that have a lot of health. Another fix for this kind of thing is a feral attached to a vehicle a player is driving no longer instantly dies when the player jumps out of the vehicle so this is great because that's kind of a cheap way to kill a feral so it's great that the game is taking away that cheap exploit now so now again that's going to make things harder for us because you don't have that cheap exploit to use players can also no longer initiate a stealth takedown on aggroed zombies this is great as well because that's also kind of another cheap exploit where If the zombies already aggroed and you try to, you know, just dodge behind it and do a stealth takedown, then it's not going to work now. So that is great that they're actually keeping us honest with all this stuff. In addition to this, the bandaging action is now interruptible by melee attacks. I honestly thought this was already in place, but apparently it wasn't. So now if you try to use a bandage and someone hits you while you're doing that, then it interrupts that and you don't actually use your bandage. So. That is great as well because it still keeps you honest. It still keeps it where you have to get away long enough. Which this is why I prefer painkillers a lot because painkillers are more instant. The morale bonus effects now update immediately on the community morale screen. So that's great as well. And also, I've heard some players complain about this: the dead bodies no longer accumulate forever during long play sessions. So if you're doing a long play session and you have like a lot of dead bodies at your base, for example. They're not going to accumulate forever. So that's great that you're not going to have just a ton of dead bodies laying around. I actually had one situation once where a juggernaut died right in front of one of my doors. And I couldn't use that door anymore because I couldn't get by the juggernaut's dead body. So that was kind of annoying. But hopefully things like that are fixed now. All right. We have a couple other things with this patch. With missions, they fixed a number of issues that prevented legacy missions from completing which this is huge because I know I mentioned on last episode that I had an issue where I had to redo the traitor legacy like three times to complete it because there was a lot of bugs involved that kept resetting my legacy mission. Hopefully, that's the kind of thing that they actually fixed with this fix. And hopefully, there's not going to be any more bugs where it's going to reset your legacy missions all the way back to the start. Or I had a legacy mission where an NPC was invulnerable and I couldn't kill them. So hopefully issues like that that are going to be game breaking will no longer occur. And that's definitely great to hear that they're fixing issues like this. Now with the environment, they had some fixes as well. They fixed a multitude of instances where players could get stuck on terrain or objects and require radio assistance to get unstuck. This is big. I don't know if they specifically mean this, but I know a lot of us has experience where you drive over like a little rock or you drive over like a tiny little like fence post or something, something that you should be able to clear easily with your car. And somehow you get stuck on it. I think that's the kind of things they're talking about. But them mentioning the unstuck button could mean when you're on foot too. So I don't know if it's specifically with driving or on foot or both. But either way, it's great that they're doing this that way things that shouldn't get you stuck aren't getting you stuck. So that's great that they're doing this. And I'm glad they fixed that. They've also fixed the markup on numerous objects that were either preventing players from climbing on them or allowing players to enter areas where they shouldn't be. Definitely a great fix as well. And they've removed a number of invisible objects that were obstructing player or vehicle movement. This is great as well because obviously you don't want to be driving along and hit something you can't even see and then, you know, it messes up your car, your car gets stuck or whatever it is. So it's great that they fixed the visibility of these items. and actually made it so you can't get stuck as easily now. And then they removed multiple instances of floating textures and exposed seams in the world. I haven't noticed any of this personally but for anyone that has it's great that they fixed that too. Then finally with this patch I know it's been a lot but there's so much in this patch that's worth mentioning but the final thing is with vehicles they have fixed physics in a number of instances where vehicles would become stuck in animation loops after a collision or rolling over. So I've experienced this myself where like you, your vehicle does barrel roll, and it seems to like go on for a little while too long where it just keeps rolling in the air or something. So apparently they fixed this. And now you can also no longer enter vehicles that are about to explode, which I don't know why you want to enter a vehicle about to explode, but maybe if you don't know what's about to happen, you would do that. So now at least it prevents you from doing that. All right. So now that we've covered everything with the patch notes, I apologize if I'm talking a little fast or something, but there's just a lot to get to. So I'm trying to pack it all into this episode for us because a lot of news came out today and I'm just trying to pack it all in for us. But now we will get to the Independence Day DLC pack itself. I'm very excited to talk about this. And when I found out it launched this morning, I was very surprised, but I was also really excited to get in there, and try it out. And I got in there, I tried it all out today, I've tried everything I'm about to talk about and it all works pretty great. And honestly, I think it's a lot of fun and it allows for a lot of new ways to kill zombies, which we always love, and it just allows a lot more fun into the game, which who doesn't want fun? So But to start, we'll talk about three new vehicles. There's three new vehicles with the Independence Day DLC Pack, there's the Burninator, the Meat Wagon, and the Pyrohawk. So the Burninator. Basically is a pickup truck. It's basically like your utility truck. It's got six seats and six trunk space. When I say six seats, I mean your four normal seats, but then you also have two people can fit in the trunk space, like the actual truck bed of the truck. So that's why I say six seats instead of four. Because you can technically fit six people if you use the truck bed. But basically this car has a paint patriotic paint job, and honestly, it looks great. Like I love the look of this car. It just looks amazing. It's kind of hard to describe it, but it's basically a very patriotic theme. You know, red, white, and blue on the side of it. It's a white truck, but it's a very nice looking car. And it also has a special feature, which all these cars have a special feature. Basically, the horn on all three of these cars, they took away the horn and they replaced the horn with something else. So for the Burninator, instead of having your horn, what happens when you hit the horn button? it will have flames engulf the side of the truck. So say a zombie gets on your door, it gets on the side of the truck. What you can do is use your normal horn button and flames will come out the side of the truck and burn the zombie off and it'll actually kill the zombie, which is amazing. I tried it out a few times today and it's really a lot of fun to use. So I would definitely recommend trying these vehicles out just to even see what that's like, but it's a lot of fun to use these vehicles, honestly. Next, we have the meat wagon. The meat wagon is basically like your handyman repairman. It's got two seats and eight trunk space. So basically, you can only have, you know, the driver and a passenger. But it does have the eight trunk space, which is awesome. And it's kind of like a meat vendor style paint job. It's basically like, say there was someone that was like a meat collector and or like a meat vendor that was bringing different meats to a meat market, you know, kind of like a butcher or something then it's kind of like that's the theme of the wagon, basically. But basically, the special effect for this one is when you honk the horn. It doesn't actually make a horn sound, obviously, because it's a special effect instead. But what it'll do is it'll drop a big piece of meat out the back of the van. And any zombies that are around that are close by to that area, they'll go towards that piece of meat. So say you have like a lot of zombies chasing you. You can use your horn button, drop a bunch of meat out the back, And the zombies will actually just chase the meat instead of you. And it's actually kind of hilarious to watch it happen because the first time you do it, just this giant hunk of meat just drops out the back of your van. It's like, what the heck happened? So it's honestly a lot of fun to see it happen. And I hope everyone gets to try it out. Which, if you want to try these out, you know, definitely, like I said, you can still do the contest that I mentioned earlier. Just jump in my game. I'll let anyone that wants to try them out and... While you're trying them out, you can give me the ratings on them. So it's a win-win. You get to try out the vehicles, you get to help with the contest, and you might win a prize. But the last vehicle on here is the Pyrohawk. The Pyrohawk is basically the same thing as a broken trekker. It has four seats with five trunk space. And it's kind of got like a military chopper style paint job. So like, you know, if you've ever seen a military helicopter that has sort of like that the jaws on it, where it's kind of like animated a little bit like a bomber kind of thing. That's basically the style of this is like kind of like the bomber or the military chopper. That's kind of the style of this paint job. But the special effect for this one, when you use the horn button is it has fireworks engulf the outside of the car. So on the front back and both sides of the car, it'll just shoot out fireworks. And basically this one, it was confirmed in the stream today that it doesn't necessarily kill zombies like the Burninator will do, but what it will do is if there's a lot of zombies are on your car, it'll just knock them off your car. So basically, it'll just protect your car, knock them off your car, and you'll be good to go. The one thing I do want to mention before I move on, though, is with the Burninator and the Pyrohawk, if you do use these special horn features, it will use more gas. The Pyrohawk's feature with the fireworks That one, if you click it once, it will stay on until you turn it off and it'll burn extra gas while it's going on. So it's very nice to look at. But keep in mind that while you're driving, you're going to burn extra gas than you normally would, which this makes sense because if you're using these type of items, you would assume it would have to take some kind of gasoline in order to power these. The burninator, though, this one, if you turn it on, it won't actually stay on unless you hold the button. So just to distinguish those real quick, the Pyrohawk, if you tap the horn button once, it'll stay on until you tap it again to turn it off. The Burninator, you have to tap and hold it if you want to stay it on. Otherwise, if you just tap it real quick, it'll just shut off real quick. So the Burninator, you have to tap it and hold it. The Pyrohawk, you just tap it once and it'll stay on until you turn it off. But both of these will use more feel when you use them. The meat wagon I believe that what they said is it's on a timer, so if you use it, it won't cost more feel, but it'll be on a t- uh undisclosed timer until it actually can drop meat again. So moving on, we have three new melee weapons now. We have the Freedom Ringer. The Freedom Ringer is basically a baseball bat with a weight on it, and the thing I can say about this, it's got like, you know, patriotic paint job, like kind of like with the theme of the pack, but it's basically very very durable i'm not sure if it can break but the durability bar is pretty much all the way to max so i don't know if that means it's unbreakable or if it means it's just got so much durability before it breaks but i tried it out today and it never broke on me and i use it on a lot of zombies so i don't know if it can break but it seems like it will take a while to break if it can break i don't know all the stats off the top of my head but i do know that's um The Freedom Ringer had pretty much no lethality. It had great knockdown, great durability, and I believe it had fairly bad ease of use as well. But overall, honestly, it's a great weapon. It's probably going to be one of my favorite weapons from now on because just the durability alone, as most of you know, it's hard to find a good melee weapon that's going to stay together for a while. And having that durability that high, that's going to be great. So I'm probably going to use this weapon a lot, honestly. We have a Grillmeister, which is another new melee weapon. This is basically what you'd find, you know, at any backyard barbecue. It's like your basic burger flipper. And it's got pretty good durability and lethality. So this has less durability than the Freedom Ringer. But it has a lot more lethality. It's a lot easier to use. So basically, it's a lot faster to swing. And it will use less stamina than the Freedom Ringer will. I don't think... In my opinion, I think the Freedom Ringer is a better weapon just because durability is so important to me. But if it's more important to you to use less stamina and to be able to swing that easier, the Grillmeister might be the way to go for you. But honestly, it's still a great looking weapon. It's still really fun to use and I would still recommend trying it out. Just in my personal taste, I do prefer the Freedom Ringer better. The last one is actually a new close combat weapon which your close combat weapon, just in case anyone's not as familiar. This is basically your weapon that you use when your main weapon breaks and all you have left is your close combat weapon. So it's usually like your screwdriver or your combat knife. This is actually a new close combat weapon that you can use to replace those. It's a barbecue fork, just like you would actually see a backyard barbecue. And it doesn't actually do anything different stats wise, because all the close combat weapons, which was confirmed in the stream today by Undead Labs, all close combat weapons have the same exact stats and effect. It's just essentially a different look. But it honestly looks pretty cool. It's got, you know, the two prongs, it's got a wooden handle. And the coolest thing about this, though, is basically what Undead Labs confirmed in their stream today is that you can't actually play without a close combat weapon because it won't even let you unequip it. But now that this barbecue fork is in play, you can actually switch around your close combat weapons. So say you get the close, you get the barbecue fork and somebody has the screwdriver and you don't really like the screwdriver. You can actually equip them with the barbecue fork. Then the screwdriver is going to go into your inventory because now you can take it off because you had something else to equip them with then the screwdriver is in your inventory, you can then take that screwdriver and switch that with another one of your characters. So basically because you have an extra close combat weapon now, now it will actually allow you to switch your weapons around between your survivors. They always have to have a close combat weapon equipped, but now at least you'll have the option to switch them around the way you want them. And honestly, I like the barbecue fork a lot, and that's probably gonna be the one I use almost all the time as much as I can with my characters. So those are the new melee weapons. Now we'll move on to the two new guns included in the Independence Day DLC pack. One of the new guns is called the Pyro Launcher. The Pyro Launcher is basically a firework launcher that shoots fireworks, and it doesn't stop until it's empty or you manually stop it. So definitely keep that in mind when you first use it. It usually has a 40 round clip when it starts. I don't know if it can go higher than that, but that's what mine started with. And basically, once you hit the fire button for it, it'll just keep shooting nonstop until you actually stop it yourself. So usually with a weapon, as you know, you press your whatever your trigger button is and fire as much as you want. With this weapon, once you touch it to fire, once you touch the trigger button to fire it once, it will keep firing constantly. So think of it like it's basically like a firework show, you know, in handheld form. So once you light that fuse, it's not going to stop. There's no way to stop it at that point. So definitely keep that in mind. The other thing to keep in mind with it, don't make the mistake I did when I first tried it out. What I did when I first tried it out is I fired it at a zombie right next to me. And basically it obliterated the zombie, which is great. But it also caused an explosion and set my character on fire. My character didn't die. They were fine. But I wasn't really expecting that, you know, which common sense would probably tell me yeah you idiot like don't fire at a zombie right next to you because it's a freaking firework launcher but i guess i didn't think of that at the time so (laughs) my character took some fire damage but that's all right (laughs) they ended up okay and everything was fine but don't make the mistake i did don't fire at at a zombie right next to you at least have a little bit of distance between you that way you don't catch yourself on fire but i mentioned manually stopping this you can actually manually stop it basically in order to manually stop it you'd have to um try to swing your melee weapon, which will obviously unequip your gun for a second and stop it, or if you like hit your D-pad on Xbox to go into your inventory screen, then that would officially stop it because you're in a different screen. So essentially, you have to kind of work around the weapon if you want to stop it. So say you want to only use 10 rounds of it. Once you start to fire it, it's going to keep firing until you do something to change that pattern. So you'd have to go into a different screen or you'd have to Try to use your melee weapon or do a little kind of trick to stop it. But basically, that's the only way you're going to be able to stop that weapon or else it's going to keep firing until it's empty. Honestly, this weapon, just because of that effect where it keeps firing on its own until it's empty, I didn't really enjoy it a ton. I mean, it's definitely something that'd be great for infestations because you just go there, fire it off, and basically that infestation is gone because... That infestation is not going to be able to stand up to, you know, 40 rounds of fireworks. So it it is great for infestations, but I think besides infestations, I probably wouldn't use it too much. It's definitely a fun novelty item, but I don't think it's something I would use every day of the game. The other new gun, however, I do like a lot more. This one is the Starshink launcher. It's basically a rocket launcher with an explosive firework tip that will explode after it hits a target. So if anyone's ever played Call of Duty... Kind of think of it like the explosive crossbow in Call of Duty. Basically, the explosive crossbow in that game, you fire an explosive crossbow. If it sticks to someone, then it'll take a couple of seconds and then it'll explode. It's kind of the same concept with this. Just honestly, in my opinion, it looks cooler. Basically, it's an explosive tip rocket launcher that explodes, you know, as a firework would. So you can fire it at a zombie. If it hits a zombie, then it'll stick in the zombie. And after a couple of seconds, it'll explode. But the cool thing is, before it explodes, it'll actually attract a couple more zombies because it'll make some noise and it'll actually send off a radius of noise. That way it attracts more zombies to it. Then it will explode, which will in turn kill the zombies that attract it. So it's definitely effective like that. But if you missed and you didn't hit a zombie, don't worry. It's still going to actually do what it's supposed to do. Say you hit the ground with it. It'll just hit the ground and after a couple of seconds, it'll still explode. So don't worry that you have to actually hit a zombie. It'll still explode if it doesn't hit a zombie. But in their stream today, they actually, one of the Undead Labs guys hit a feral in the face with it and they also hit a juggernaut with it and it was actually a lot of fun to watch, especially when they hit the feral in the face. I mean, shooting the feral in the face with this thing, it's amazing because it, his face had a freaking firecracker sticking out of it and... The fuse was lit and then it just blew up. So it it was a lot of fun. But I would definitely recommend the Starshank launcher. I think it's great for it's honestly great for anything, pretty much. I mean, it'd be great for a play card. I think it'd be great for an infestation. It'd probably be great. I didn't really check the weight on it. I assume it has a lot of weight, but it'd probably be great for, you know, say, tossing in the trunk of your car in case you get in trouble. Oh, let me pull this out of my trunk and use it real quick. So I, I think it's a really great weapon. It's a lot of fun. I'm not saying the pyro launcher isn't a good weapon, but I just think the starshank launcher is a lot more fun to use and a lot more effective because I really I understand why they did it because it's kind of realistic the way the pyro launcher keeps launching nonstop. But having that nonstop feature in there just kind of makes it a little bit unusable for me personally. Alright, right, so now we move on to the Firework Consumables. Basically, with this DLC, you get some new Firework Consumables that you can use. And I probably should have mentioned this a while ago, but basically, in order to use all this stuff, if you buy the DLC, what you're going to have to do is use a radio command. It'll have the Independence Day DLC in your radio command list, and then you just choose one of the commands. You can choose one for weapons to get the weapons. You can choose the supply drop, which will give you the consumables I'm about to talk about. You can choose any of the three vehicles. And essentially, it'll give you the first time for free. But then after that, it's going to cost you a 1,000 influence. So you can still get it again. It'll just cost you a 1,000 influence. And that's free for the first time for every new community, is what they said. So every new community, it's free. But one of the questions I asked in the stream, which they answered me directly, is if you switch maps, like say I'm doing a map and... I want to switch maps with my community, but I don't want to actually end my playthrough. So say I'm on Drucker County, and I want to go to Cascade Hills. You can switch maps, as we all know. But if I switch maps, then I wouldn't get a free use of the radio commands again. So like, say I had my meat wagon already, and I wanted to have the meat wagon again in the next map, I would have to pay the thousand influence at that point. So that is kind of a bummer a little bit, but I, I do understand at the same time. But now getting into those firework consumables, there's four new ones. You have the Bouncing Boris. Basically, this is kind of an uncontrollable firework. It's one that you throw, and essentially you just throw it. It kind of bounces around a lot. It makes a lot of noise, and it just explodes. Um, It does last a little bit longer than the one I'm about to talk to you about next, the XL Firework Shell. That's also a thrown firework, but this one... It will attract zombies, obviously, because it's a firework, but it does last for a lot shorter time. So I don't think I'd really be using the XL firework shell a ton, just because it has such a short use. Maybe in a tight, tight jam, you just throw one out real quick because it is quick to throw out there. The bouncing Boris, I think, would be your better throwing one to use if you want to like actually clear out a horror a little bit longer term. But my more favorite two, or the ones I prefer out of the four are actually the ones where you place on the ground. The next two are place consumables that you place on the ground. One of them is called the Reno Fire. This one is a place, place firework that will explode and create a ring of fire around it, attracting zombies and creating a barrier. So essentially what you do is you place it on the ground like you would a boombox or something, and it'll explode, attracting zombies to it. And then as the zombies move in, after a little while, it's going to start creating a ring of fire around that device. So basically, it just traps the zombies in that area, which is amazing. It's actually a really cool concept. I don't have the timer down specifically. I don't know how many seconds it takes before the ring of fire starts, but it's it's fairly quick after it explodes. But it's really cool because you just you see this ring of fire go around it and all the zombies around that are kind of trapped in there. Hopefully, you got yourself out of there before that happened or else you kind of be trapped in there too. But hopefully you wouldn't do that. And now the last firework consumable, this is honestly my favorite one, and it's probably, if I had to say, it's probably my favorite item of the entire DLC, honestly. It's so cool to see this work. It's such a useful item. It's the block rocker. The block rocker is basically a place firework that you place down like a boombox or like the rain of fire. But it continues to go off and has a huge radius of effect, which will bring in zombies from far away as well as close to you. So essentially, you're going to place this down as you would any other place consumable. It's going to go off and it's going to continue to shoot fireworks. It shoots them high in the air and it actually has such a wide radius. Like if you look at your mini map, when you use it, it draws in zombies from such a long distance. And if you want to escape a certain area, that can be a way to escape. If you're trying to just kill a bunch of zombies to maybe get that 10,000 kills, this is a great way to do it because you can place this down. It's going to attract so many zombies to that one area, and you can just kill them all. You can run away from them. You can do whatever you want, but it's such a useful tool because you can even use this in combination with the other DLC. Like they did this in the stream as well. What you can do is you can lay down a block rocker, attract a ton of zombies there, and then you can use the Pyro launcher or the star shank launcher and just blow them all up. So it's kind of using those in combo is actually a smart idea. Or you could use your regular bml 40 grenade launcher. You could really use anything you wanted, but it's a lot of fun to use this block rocker. So if you get this DLC pack, definitely try out the block rocker. Now, in addition to that, they have a firework crafting station, which this is a facility mod. And it allows you to make the four consumer rules. So you can make the rain of fire, the block rocker, the XL firework shell, and the bouncing boris. And you can also make ammo for your two new guns. So the two new guns, the Pyro Launcher and the Starship Launcher, they both take specific types of ammo. And you can make the ammo for those guns as well. This Firework Crafting Station, the nice thing about it is they made it so it can go in any facility. So you can even put the Firework Crafting Station in a kitchen. You can put it in a garden. You can put it anywhere you want it. And what they said in the stream is they kind of did this because they wanted to make things a little more balanced where like a lot of the things can only go in the workshop right now, like you know, your rifle ammo press, your handgun ammo press, or they can go in like an auto shop. But there's a lot of items that are specific to those types of facilities. They wanted to make this where it could be used anywhere. That way, there's if there's anywhere you have a free slot you're not using, then you can just put this in there and you can craft your ammo there. You can craft your ammo there, your fireworks there. And off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly what it takes, but I think it takes Two ammo. Yeah, I think it takes two ammo and a certain amount of parts to make these consumables. But I remember the block rocker, you get to make two of them. And I think the other ones you make more, but just because the block rocker is so powerful, it makes you less of it. I remember the pyro launcher ammo it makes 60. And I can't remember the rest off the top of my head, but I believe it makes two ammo per thing. So just use two ammo, you can make whatever you want for it. And now, in addition to that, they have a new Wandering Trader, which will sell explosives and everything from the pack. I did already experience this myself, so I got my pack, I got all the items from it, then a Wandering Trader came up, I went to talk to that Wandering Trader, and he was selling all the stuff from the pack, so I bought a second set of everything from the pack. The only thing, it obviously you can't buy the cars from them, so I mean, the cars you're only going to have, you know, the ones from the pack, but... The only other thing from the pack I didn't see him selling was the facility mod, which I guess makes sense because I don't really know why you need to, but I mean I'm sure I'm sure that at some point it'll be available from Trader somewhere. But I bought, you know, the Bouncing Boris, the XL Firework Shell, the Block Rocker, the Rain of Fire, Pyro Launcher, the Starshank Launcher, um, the Grillmeister, the Barbecue Fork, and the Freedom Ringer. I bought all those again. So I have two of all of those now, which is kind of nice, especially the melee weapons, because the melee weapons obviously are not going to be able to find them in the game. So the only way you're going to be able to get more of them is through the traders or by using a thousand influence to recall on your radio command. So your radio commands, you can use those once every three hours, I think they said, and it costs a thousand influence to use it again in that same community. But that's basically all the stuff about the Independence Day DLC pack. So I hope you guys will enjoy that and you know get a chance to play it and really experience the fun it provides like I did. I had a lot of fun today trying it out, and I can't wait to try it some more in future days coming up. But that's kind of all the info about that. I already mentioned their stream a lot throughout this episode. Undead Labs did a stream today. And it was at 4 p.m. Eastern time for me. Uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time. But basically in this stream, they kind of showcased the DLC. Since I had already been playing it all day, I already knew a lot of the stuff in the stream. So I just wanted to watch anyway to see if there's any tidbits to pick out. There were some interesting tidbits to pick out that I did pick out for you guys. So I will let you know what they said. I uh, announced a couple of them already in this in this podcast. But... Somebody asked about free content in the future. Like, for example, today, you know, we had the Revolutionary War Zombies come in. We had the 20 new missions. Oh, we had like the new Red Talon and network weapons like the Danforth Slugger, the new Rare Books Trader. So that was all new content that was released today for free. And somebody asked if there's going to be more free content like that. And they said that they hoped there was going to be in the future, but they couldn't really confirm it. So what it sounds like is they'd like to continue to do that, to offer some free content to us, but they weren't sure if they're going to be able to, which I'm assuming that has to do with, you know, partially Microsoft. I mean, Microsoft might not want them to do it all the time, perhaps, or this could just be pure speculation. I mean, it sounds like they would like to do that, but it's, it's not anything that's confirmed yet, but... Just, you know, keep your hopes up that we might get some more free content like that in the future. It sounds like this will be in addition to DLC packs. They'll probably still have DLC that you have to pay for, but it sounds like they're going to try to give us little tidbits of free content here and there. That way it enhances the experience for people that can't pay for the DLC. Like I already mentioned, the radio commands, you can only use it for free once per community. I did ask them specifically because I'm doing a hundred day playthrough right now and I'm planning to switch maps pretty soon. So I've already used the free commands for my current map. If I switched maps, I asked them if I don't end my playthrough and I switch maps if I can use the Oak command for free again. They said it won't work like that. And they said it's only once free per community. So basically when I switch maps, I'm obviously gonna lose all my cars. Unfortunately, I will have to pay a thousand influence to get them back per car. So I'd have basically have to pay three thousand influence to get all three cars back if I wanted to do that which it honestly does suck. I mean, but I'm honestly okay with it because it it makes sense that you'd have to actually start your new community over again. And since it's not a brand new community and it's going to be already played through, you probably have a little bit more influence to spend. Like for example, right now I have, I think, 8,500 influence. So I'm not too worried about it. I mean, if I get to the next map and I really want to do it, I can spare a thousand influence to buy whatever car I want, or I can spare a thousand influence to buy more weapons. So I'm okay with it. I mean, I understand some people will probably be upset about that, but it's just one of those things that it kind of is what it is. I guess I'm not really going to get too bummed out about it. I'm just going to keep enjoying the game, you know, the way it is, but hopefully sometime in the future, they could change that. Maybe I do understand it from their perspective a little bit, because they don't want to have the DLC radio command over abused, probably. So it'd be kind of over abused. Like, say you did that for the weapons part. If you use it for free and then change maps, use it for free again. That is kind of a little bit over abusing it because you're getting all those weapons, all that ammo for free again. For the cars, I just wish it was a little bit different for the cars because the cars are the main part of that you're going to lose the car when you switch maps and then you don't have that car again and you have to pay a thousand to get it back, so... For the car aspect, it does kind of suck, and I wish they could switch that just for the cars alone, but maybe in the future they'll look, take a look into that. Now, another thing is, I wasn't sure if this is going to be the case, but it was confirmed that the DLC items, like, you know, the Star Shank launcher, the Pyro launcher, the fireworks, like the block rocker, all the stuff that's the DLC items from this, you can't give them to people that don't have the DLC. So if you, the listener, didn't have the DLC, and I have the DLC. You can't join my game and have me give it to you because basically I can drop it on the ground. You can see it dropped on the ground, but it's not going to let you pick it up. Basically, what's going to happen is it's going to say you don't have the DLC and it's not going to allow you to pick it up. So, that is unfortunate, but they did say that you can still play co op if they don't have the DLC. So, if you don't have the DLC and you're in my game, you can still watch me use the fireworks, you can still watch me use all the items, and that's not going to affect anything just you can't use them yourself. But they did say that, say you want to drive my meat wagon or you want to drive my Burninator or the Pyrohawk, the three cars, you should be able to drive those in my game, which makes sense because you're not going to take that back with you into your playthrough. That's still going to be contained to my playthrough, so it makes sense that they'd actually have it that way. So that is nice that you can still drive the cars in my game. Or, you know, I could drive the cars in your game or vice versa. Another thing with the vehicles, they are treated as if they've already been upgraded. So these vehicles, the three that I mentioned, you can't upgrade them because they're basically treated as if they're already upgraded vehicles. So that was an important question that was asked, and I'm glad to answer that. So you can't upgrade them. They're basically already upgraded, essentially. And then the last one, I asked this question myself, and they responded to me in the chat. I asked about, because they were talking about more organization for radio commands. Basically, they were saying that one person made a comment that, are all the radio commands going to be like this in the future with DLCs? You know, a new radio command spot for this DLC, a new spot for this DLC. And they said that we get really cluttered overall all, because then you'd have to go far down your radio commands to actually see all your commands. And they said they're working on something to organize that a little bit more. But for now, it's just going to be like this because it's only one with the Independence Day DLC pack. So there's only one new slot for Radio Command. But in the future, with more DLCs that are released, they're working on a way to actually make this more organized. So in response to that, I actually asked a question if they were trying to work on a new way to organize the supply locker as well. Because as we all know, it's kind of frustrating when your supply locker is like such a mess and you want to find something you have to go through you know tons and tons of rows of guns just to find like the little bit of animal you wanted or whatever you want to find it's just frustrating sometimes to actually spend all that time going through your locker trying to find stuff when it could be organized better where like maybe you know all your bandages are right here maybe all your you know consumables of one type or one area and they did confirm to me that they are working on that and it's something they want to release in a future update so you know, stay tuned. Um, you'll be able to lo- organize your supply locker in the future. And that is definitely great to hear. I don't know when in the future, but I'm just glad that it's coming. So, yeah, I know that was a lot to take in. I had a lot to go over today, but that's why this episode was based purely on the news that came out because there was so much news that came out today. And I wanted to get all that news out to everyone. But that's pretty much all I have for the news today. Next episode, like I said, I'm hoping to do it on the upgraded cars in the game and kind of, you know, rank all those cars. So I need your help to do that. So please help me with this contest and come into my game, test out these cars and give me some more data because the more data I have, the better my ranking podcast will be because I just want as big a sample size as possible. So let me say it this way any sample size I can get that's increased is still going to help more. You know, if I have a sample size of 10, a sample size of 15 will be better than that. If I have a sample size of 15, a sample size of 20 will be better than that. So any help you can give will be much appreciated because the more data I have, the more accurate it's going to be when I actually rank these cars. So please help out and, you know, enter the contest, to get the prize. And you can have, you know, a weapon you don't have facility mod you don't have uh, maybe a melee weapon but you'll get something for it to help your game if you win so three people will win and hopefully you'll be one of them but if you want to get in contact with me to do the contest or if you just want to leave feedback on the podcast whatever it is you can contact me via the podcast twitter at blaze experience you can use the podcast email blaze experience at gmail.com. Or you can use the new podcast discord. There will be a discord link in the show notes. So you can use that as well. And if you want to contact me personally, you can also use my personal email d.blaze89 at gmail.com. That's perfectly fine as well. Any way you want to contact me. If you want to listen to the podcast, I'm sure you already found a way, obviously, because you're listening to it. But For anyone that wants an easier way to listen, you can listen on Radio Public, which is a free app that will help podcasters. It's available on iOS and Android in all countries. And basically, they will just help podcasters. So if you want to listen that way, that's great. If you don't want to listen that way, honestly, a great way to help us is by listening via Apple Podcast. I'd really appreciate anyone leaving a podcast review for us because the more reviews we get, the more people will find us. So any review is helpful. You know, if you really love the podcast, give us five stars and let us know why. If you didn't like it, then, you know, it's okay if you want to give us one star. Just let us know why. Just give us some feedback and let me know what I can improve. If you think there's a lot to improve or if you think it's great as it is, just give some feedback and let me know. But I'd appreciate any reviews. You can also listen on Google Play. You can listen on Stitcher. There's a lot of ways to listen. Just if there's a way that you want to listen and it's not available yet, just get in touch with me and let me know. But other than that, you should be able to find the podcast. And I really appreciate everyone listening. It's a lot of fun to do this for me. And it's definitely a passion of mine. So I really appreciate everyone that supports the podcast. And I will see you all next week. So I can't wait to talk to you all next week and get into the next topic. So thank you once again for listening to the Blaze Experience.